G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. I don't know why, exactly how it started, but we started to pray for people who couldn't have children. We didn't think that uh, our experience necessarily proved it was going to work. <laughs> but um, anyway, we prayed. Over the next uh, probably six years, there were 18 different couples who were in similar situations. We prayed with them. They immediately got pregnant. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we're going to hear from a couple that knows a thing or two about having a long-lasting, strong relationship. You see, Malcolm and Suzanne White have been married for over 50 years and have a passion for helping other couples. So, what does it take to have a love that lasts a lifetime? We'll find out today as Malcolm and Suzanne share their story. They're chatting with Eric Scatterboat from their home in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Welcome, and Suzanne. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Hello. Good to be here. Glad to have you with us. And let's start with you, Malcolm, before we get to your marriage relationship. What was life like before you met Suzanne? Where were you born and raised? I was actually born uh, at Lilydale and uh, enjoyed uh, living on uh, a farm. Then went off to boarding school and uh, then I went back and worked in the family business for a while and then went on to university. And at the end of the university time, I was about coming up 25, I went and backpacked through India for three months. Oh, wow. And in uh, one week of that time, I, I stayed with some missionaries in Pune, mainly because I could get cheap accommodation. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it turned out um, I observed Christianity without Western middle-class trappings and that was really a life-changing experience, even though previously mm. I'd made a commitment at the Billy Graham Crusade in 59. It was that contact in India that really was transforming. Now, was Suzanne at that conference with Billy Graham as well? Well, I was there, but we didn't know each other. In fact, we never met for another seven years. Oh, wow. And I'd grown up on a dairy farm in Gippsland and um, one of eight children, right bang in the middle, so I learned a few um, ways of living or functioning, not necessarily most healthy, but mm. um, yeah, family life was pretty um, raucous, I guess, in many ways, difficult, but also um, it was there that I, I became a Christian, and, and that, that um, first, first love of, of Jesus was really the thing that has been the catalyst in my life, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that growing up, your relationship with your father was a bit stormy, and that had an influence on your relationship with Malcolm years later. Is that right? Well, that's true. It had an effect on our relationship in the sense that our communication or my communication was very much um, affected by a domineering father, and I'd learned a way of, of functioning which was to close down or close off rather than to speak out. That's changed. <laughs> it's changed over the years. 
Well, let's get Malcolm's perspective on this. Well, in the early years of marriage, uh, I found that uh, um, if there looked like there was a bit of a difference of opinion, conflict, uh, and we are um, two strong-willed people, um, Suzanne would go very quiet. And sometimes we'd lie in bed for two or three hours and in which I'd been seeking just to gently coax Suzanne to share what was bothering her mm. um, and that it would assure her that it was safe to do that. And gradually over the years, um, she uh, learned to overcome that and to be yeah, more uh, at ease uh, in the whole situation, to be able to share her viewpoint. So that's interesting to note that sometimes relationships in our family of origin, you know, the family that we grew up in, sometimes those relationships have an impact on our marriage relationships later on in life. But let's uh, go back and find out how did the two of you meet in the first place? I was living at the um, Q Baptist Youth Hostel, which gave um, accommodation to people both interstate and um, overseas, and uh, that's where I met Mel. Yeah, Sue was uh, at Teachers College at the time, and uh, I was working in the city, but living still up in the Yarra Ranges, and I took on a master's degree at Melbourne Uni in business administration, Mm -hmm. and uh, at the time, um, I needed some accommodation quickly down in the city because of uh, the extra hours I was having to put in. And heard about the hostel, so I went there. And uh, so we we met at what was a very opportune time because doing that MBA, they taught some excellent tools of management and leadership, um, business skills. But I wrestled with an underlying philosophy that I couldn't quite put my finger on and realised that my own Christian understanding was fairly limited. And so in the midst of doing all that work and study, I was also searching for a deeper understanding of God. And it was in that context that I met Suzanne. And she helped me, actually, to uh, think through some of those issues. Okay, yeah. It was, it was um, a learning time for me as well. But it was the beginning of what's well, been a, a partnership, really, a time together not just in in marriage, but also in um, what we did in our marriage, being called into the ministry was really, um, it's been a partnership all along and um, a lot of fun, a lot of challenges in it. But um, yeah, that started actually the first Sunday we were home after our honeymoon. Um, We were in church and um, the preacher said, if God should call you, to go anywhere, wherever it is, are you prepared to go? And we both stood up, independent in the sense of each other, but we both did it together, and that's been what life's been like, I suppose. Um, God has called both of us, and we both responded to him. Mel went into MBI the next year, and I followed a year later. So both of you individually, but it turns out at the same time, said, yes, I will go into full-time ministry wherever or whenever to serve the Lord. Yep, yep. That's, that's right. Yep. Although there was a bit of a wrestle because um, eventually the Lord made it clear that he was calling me not to go back into the business world but to mm-hmm. go into ministry and the ordained ministry, which was back then, um, for me, the Methodist Church. And when I'd finished my training, 
and the Methodist Conference was making a decision where they'd uh, send us, um, Suzanne was saying, yes, Lord, I'll go anywhere, but not to Sunshine. Um, huh. and, uh, um, but guess where we ended up? <laughs> <laughs> we ended up at Sunshine. So you ended up in the very place you didn't want to go. Well, that's right, but then that was part of the learning I had to do, hmm. <laughs> being submitted to God's will. And the places we often don't want to to go to or the play or the things we don't want to do, we can learn a lot from those. We mm-hmm. we um, ended up uh, moving up to um, Springwood in the Blue Mountains to New South Wales. Some years later. And, um, you know, I can remember the drive up the Hume Highway. Um, I was crying my eyes out thinking I'll never see my, you know, family again mm. well, for a long time or... Um, because back in those days we didn't have mobile phones and we didn't have the finances to go back any time we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were 20 years in um, New South Wales, but that 20 years was um, a great learning experience and many amazing things happened as a result. Yeah, you went through some hard times, is that right? That's right, yeah, yeah. One of the um, uh, real um, tough times, I guess, was... Um, uh, during the time of having babies, it was, this was in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue went through seven pregnancies. The first was a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. The second was a little boy born prematurely and he lived just a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third was a little girl that we almost lost, but uh, she's now a healthy woman of 48 years. 49. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the next one was... Um, well, it was another miscarriage, but it was almost fatal. Um, mm. And uh, Sue uh, uh, actually prayed and just uh, committed uh, myself and our, our little baby girl to uh, the Lord, thinking that that was possibly the end for her. Mm. Then the, the next one was a healthy girl. Then the one after that was another little boy, and he was premature, stillborn. And mm. then finally there was another girl. So out of the seven, we have three daughters. But uh, something very special happened, particularly when the second little boy, Jonathan, was born. And Sue might like to share this. Yeah, that, this was an interesting one because um, we learned, for example, when Justin, our first child, was born, um, we learned to talk about him in times when people didn't normally um, talk about their lost children. Mm. And so we named him, we talked about him, and that made it um, helpful for not just us, but for other people as well. But when I went into um, labour with um, Jonathan, the Lord really spoke to me and he, the next morning and he said, I want you to praise me in this situation. My first response was, I don't want to do that. I, mm. I feel sad and because it had been the day after we lost him. But God said to me, I thought you said you'd given your heart to me if you don't start to praise me in this situation, you'll end up with self-pity and bitterness. Hmm. Do you want that? And um, my response was no. And so despite the pain, despite the difficulties in that situation, we did. I did start to praise him. And, um, and that was a real release. Hmm. That, that same morning, while Sue was experiencing that, I had driven home. At that time, we were living down on the morning to Peninsula mm-hmm. and uh, um, after the birth the night before. And, and that morning, I was driving back to the city on the Nepean Highway at Seaford. 
uh, I was driving along and thinking about what had just happened and, and I guess talking to the Lord um, about it a bit. And there was a sense of the presence of God just falling on me. It was just an amazing experience. Mm. And uh, all I could do was just praise the Lord. That experience, that feeling, that sense of God's presence just stayed with me. Um, I arrived at the hospital and jumped in the, the lift to go up. I wanted to share it with Sue. I walked into the ward, took one look at her and realised I didn't need to. Hmm. So that was, um, I guess, the beginning or the learning for us or for me, um, for both of us, mm-hmm. that in all situations we can praise God because he will work for good. You're listening to The Story. Today, Malcolm and Suzanne White are retracing their life journey together. And as we just heard, they've gone through their share of difficult experiences. However, next, we're going to find out how God has used those difficult experiences to help others. All that and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Malcolm and Suzanne White, who've been married for over 50 years and are sharing their life journey. Before the break, we heard how their faith was tested when Suzanne had several miscarriages. Now, we're going to hear the surprising way that God uses those experiences for good. I don't know why, exactly how it started, but we started to pray for people who couldn't have children. Mm -hmm. This is about six years after yeah. our last one was born. Mm-hmm. We had moved up to Springwood in the Blue Mountains. We had quite a large church there, and there were a lot of young couples. Were you the and, pastor then? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I mentioned something about what we'd experienced um, having children in one of the services, and at the end of the service, a young couple came forward and said, look, we've been trying to have a baby, but we can't. We've tried everything. Would you pray for us? And we thought, well, okay. Um, we didn't think that uh, our experience necessarily proved it was going to work. But um, hmm. anyway, we prayed. And the very next opportunity, they got pregnant and had a little healthy little boy. News oh, wow. about that got around the congregation, as you could imagine. Yeah. Over the next uh, probably six years, there were 18 different couples who were in similar situation. We prayed with them. They immediately got pregnant. There was one lot had twins and one lot had triplets. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> so our girls did say, hey, Dad and Mum, just specify one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but we do actually have twins in our grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So how have all of these challenges kind of brought you together stronger as a couple? We just, it just has because it's a shared experience, mm-hmm. um, shared memories shared awareness of God's grace and mercy and, and um, love that he's, he's given us. Yeah, it's knitted us together in, amazingly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the shared bit. And it's, it's interesting now at this stage of our life, um, part of the enjoyment of life and what 
I think um, generally referred to as the, the um, golden stage of marriage, if you can get this far. And a significant part of it is is all the the memories that we share, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, uh, the goals that we picked together, and uh, the the lessons we've learned from the things that that didn't work as well as mm-hmm. the things that did. But it's a matter of keeping your focus. You see, um, we each have what we've called um, our mission statement, and it goes right back to the beginning of our marriage and uh, a sense of God calling us. For me. It's from Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be dealt with, mm-hmm. whatever those other things are. And, and for me, it was in Joshua twenty four fifteen, where it says, Choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And in, in that aspect, what we did with our children, how we educated our children at home, they went to school, but... We believe that parents are the most important educators of children and so whatever was done at home was done with those things in mind. Mm-hmm. And so we saw our children come through to the Lord making professions of faith at various stages in their, um, and at various ages, you know, from three years old up to when they finally decided as teenagers um, to be baptised. And um, their marriage partners, we prayed for their, their husbands to mm-hmm. be. We prayed yeah. for them from the time the kids were really little. And um, uh, so we've seen each of the girls come to um, that point where their their husbands are all committed Christians and their, their children are growing up in half of the 12 grandchildren we have have already followed um, the Lord in in baptism. Oh, they, wow. They're choosing... Um, in fact, the others will, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> in, in the years that lie ahead. So it's wonderful to see that the shared experiences have really um, had an impact Mm -hmm. on what's happening now, and not just in our lives, but in our children's lives. And you shared with me before we started to record that you never considered divorce an option. No, divorce isn't. We we knew we went in knowing that divorce is not an option for us, and Mm -hmm. so if divorce is not an option, we knew that there would be difficult times because there always is because we're imperfect Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and I knew I had issues that I had to deal with and so we decided well what are we going to do to make life really um, exciting because marriage needs to be exciting and we need to keep the freshness there and the the fun and and, um, the uh, great joy there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we did right uh, over the years in ministry was uh, we always set aside time to be together each week on a, I had a day off usually on a Monday and uh, we'd go, go out somewhere and have uh, a bit of lunch or, or whatever. Um, Picnic. Um, and uh, uh, spending time together. Mm-hmm. Another that is really important, uh, an area that uh, we didn't necessarily think this is what we're going to do, but we did it. And that is um, uh, developing positive self-talk. Uh, the things you think about, about your spouse. Now, when you have a disagreement, often um, a couple individually can go off and be thinking about it and think about the, the wrong things about their partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that I needed to uh, uh, discipline myself in that way and to count the blessings. What are the blessings? What are the good things that I see in my mm. life? And uh, to focus on those. 
Oh, um, so if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying if you find yourself thinking negative thoughts about your spouse, to stop it and to think of the blessings and the good things about your spouse. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mind you, Suzanne, from time to time, did things that, that helped that process. <laughs> um, there was one occasion when uh, I was um, in the process of getting a new car, changing a car over, and uh, the uh, car people were taking a long time to, to get this car. And uh, on this particular occasion, I was sitting in my study, which was in the front of the house, on the phone and talking to this salesman and uh, really giving him a bit of a rev up because uh, I wasn't very pleased with what was happening. And then I looked up and uh, Suzanne had been off shopping somewhere Mm -hmm. and she happened to see uh, something in a shop window and thought, oh, that could be interesting. Malcolm might like that. And so I looked up and there's this uh, gorgeous woman with high heels on and a skimpy blue bikini just standing in the doorway. Um, at that point, I think the car salesman wonder what happened because my tone changed totally, I'm told. Um, and uh, um, uh, we finished the conversation very quickly. Your attitude somehow changed after seeing her. <laughs> uh, but it sure helps the self-talk. <laughs> yeah. One of the things we're finding ourselves now in this part of our life is... Um, we're doing a lot more laughing than we did. Oh, that's good. Um, now, we, we started off laughing, mm-hmm. but you go through times when there's stresses and and the church politics can have a bearing on that and, and in our situation and um, and the girls, you know, needing the attention and, and sometimes, you know, not being that helpful. Mm. But, uh, but we're finding now that with all those stresses, we don't have any more, that they've been relieved, you might say, mm-hmm. that we're doing a lot more laughing than we have we had for perhaps some crucial times in our life. But mm. yeah, and that's been great to to have that to happen again. Well, the Bible says laughter is the best medicine, so enjoy, yeah, enjoy right. that medicine. Now, unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time, but I want to share the rest of the story. Susan, you're not only happily married in a strong marriage, but you went on to become a family and relationship counselor, helping other people in their relationships and marriage. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, I did. I, I, I was a trained counselor and, um, for, I guess, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I really gave that up as we, when we came back to Victoria, I, Malcolm and I were appointed to um, a church in a, a dual capacity. So the two of us had the... the um, responsibility and my role changed there from really being a family counsellor to becoming a pastoral care worker, which Mm -hmm. is quite different. The difference between a counsellor and a pastoral care worker is that people come to the counsellor saying, I've got a problem. Um, In pastoral care, often the pastor goes to the people knowing they have a problem, but they haven't stated that yet. They haven't recognised it and you can't do much about it until they do recognize it. Yeah. Now, we should say, Malcolm, you went on to be a theological college lecturer for several years. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, From Springwood, I went and uh, worked for a a number of years with the Bible College in Sydney. And, uh, yeah, that that was great. It was um, a different focus to some extent in ministry, Mm -hmm. um, dealing with um, 
teaching a number of subjects, one of which was marriage and family. Oh, okay. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That that was great because the classes were never just theory for the simple reason that everybody in the class, in some way or other, had experienced family and um, marriage, whether theirs or, or their parents right. or whatever. Right. And uh, we found that it was uh, both a learning thing but also... Um, in many instances, a healing process mm. in those classes. It was really quite a, a dynamic time and one that I thoroughly enjoyed. And we should say that one of your students is somebody that many of our listeners would know, Bible teacher Bernie Diamond. That's right, yes. Yeah. We yeah. Love, love Bernie and Jackie. <laughs> so when you're hearing him on the radio, do you think, oh, I probably taught him that? or? <laughs> <laughs> We happened to be in a motel at um, Mount Gambia one day. Mm-hmm. Bernie was um, uh, an elder at our church, at a church in the marketplace at Bondi Junction when we were there. Mm-hmm. And we we were on holidays going over to see our daughter in, in Adelaide. And it had been a bit of a rough night. And all of a sudden at 6 o'clock in the morning, this noise comes on the radio, the radio and it's person speaking. And we suddenly thought, our elder is speaking to us in the middle of the morning. <laughs> that was great, though, yeah. Wow, so that's just one example of a legacy. Obviously, the legacy of your children, your grandchildren, and then the students that Malcolm taught, including Bernie Diamond. Uh, it's just a wonderful legacy of your relationship with both each other and with the Lord. That's right, yeah. 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 And there's still more things we're going to learn, I'm pretty sure, over the next few years, too. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Malcolm and Suzanne, for sharing your story with us today. It's a pleasure. Love doing it. That was Malcolm and Suzanne White having a chat with Eric Scadabo and reflecting on their life journey together as a couple. And as we heard, they've both had wonderful times together, as well as some very challenging times. But through it all, their faith has been their firm foundation, and they've always been guided by their life Bible verses. For Malcolm, it was Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And for Suzanne, it was Joshua 24.15. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So these are the Bible verses that have provided guiding principles for their lives and have helped them navigate through various challenges. Well, how about you? Do you have a life verse or verses that provide direction and comfort for you? If not, it's something to reflect on as you read God's Word. Just ask yourself, what verse has played a significant role in my life and in guiding my faith? Once you find it, write it on the front of your Bible or have it posted in a prominent place in your home so you can refer to it many times as a kind of North Star to give you direction. It's just one of the many ways that God's Word can help and guide our lives. Well, thanks for joining us for Malcolm and Suzanne White sharing their story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I thought by myself, when I get married, I want a a, a Christian school to uh, educate my children. And a lot of our friends thought the same. And we started to make that a, a project which, of course, was not all that easy because we were all poor people starting with nothing. But the, the comical thing was that uh, I only had primary education, so wasn't trained in anything. 
Keith Greenwood immigrated to Australia from Holland in 1950. Throughout his life, he always followed what he was taught as a child in Sunday school class, that every part of life is for serving God. The result has been that he's helped to start several ministries that have impacted thousands of people, both here in Australia and in India. Keith Greenwood will share his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.